we all love experiencing great service, don't we? All of us love great service. I mean, adequate service is barely getting enough done in order to not lose your job. Good service is meeting job expectation. Like, hey, man, that's a good employee. That's good service. But great service is when you do the extra. You know, when you go above and beyond without even being asked, you know you are a great server. Now, the best servers seem to be ones who are most devoted to their jobs or the people they are serving. Uh, like if you go into a coffee shop a few times, it can be good service. When it gets great service is when they recognize you as you come in and they're like, do you want your usual? That's great service. And they actually tell you, you know, what it is and they remember your name. That's above and beyond. That's beyond job expectation. They're actually going out of their way. Or maybe when you get an oil change or you go to the dealership and they decide to wash your car for no extra charge, both inside and out. It's just above and beyond. Or maybe it's a construction, you know, a person who, who, who just adds just a little bit more. Or a teacher who uh, decides every single day to try to contact a parent and let them know what their child has done right, you know, during the course of a day, you know, on a regular basis. That's all extra. It's all above and beyond. And so with that in mind, here's what a question I want to ask you. Who or what are you devoted to serving? Now, we're not talking about the minimum. We're not even talking about good. We're talking about the extra, the extra, where you go above and beyond. Who or what are you willing to go above and beyond to serve? Okay, so go ahead and talk to the person next to you. Do the same thing in overflow, and we'll come back up in just a second. Okay, we want to hear a few of these answers. What we got? Yeah. Yeah, if you didn't hear, you know, uh, it's his job at McDonald's. goes above and beyond. Great job. Great job. Somebody, oh yeah, we can clap about that. Somebody else. Who or what are you devoted to serving? The extra. Everybody's all quiet. <laughs> What's that? Kids, right? Somebody else. Yeah. Okay, the things that we care about. So what are those things? family. What? Your kid's teacher. Okay. Nobody said the cougars. I'm just <laughs> wondering if anybody was going to say, what? Why are you booing? I'm not, no issues there. You know, who are we going to see? Here's the reality. Our devotion determines our service. Our devotion determines our service. See, the higher the devotion the higher the level of us going extra for. So the things that you're most devoted to, the things that you most care about, you will do the extra for. Now, when I asked that question, you might have instantly said, well, family, relationships, people. And those may be true, but how do those people know that that's true? I mean, I might say, I'm devoted to my wife. Would my wife say that? I'm devoted to my kids. I'm devoted to my work. I'm devoted to these other things. How do we really know? And this is how we know. Our devotion is proven by where we spend our time, our talents, and our treasures. Okay, the extra, the above and beyond. So let's be real. Uh, how many of you are like me and you are devoted to coffee? Okay, no, nobody, none of you guys said coffee. You know, or at least maybe you did when you were sitting next to each other. But here's how I know that you and I are devoted to coffee. 
Because every day, it's an extra. You don't have to have, well, some of you guys think you have to have it, but <laughs> you don't have to have it, but you're like, no, 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 I gotta have my cup of coffee, and then I make time out of my schedule, and it's an extra in my budget to go get or have coffee on a regular basis. I am devoted to the Seahawks, okay? I'm devoted to the Seahawks. Now, I'm a real Seahawk fan. I am the, the Kingdom Steve Largent, Dave Craig, Zim, Jim Zorn Seahawk fan. You know, uh, I, I, I respect greatly, you know, those who are Browns fans, you know, before this year. You know, when they're 0-16 for a couple years in a row, and you'd see people wearing a Browns jersey, you know, you'd laugh a little bit, but then you'd, you'd be like, man, that, that's devotion, right? They're committed above and beyond what's expected, because nobody expects them to do anything, you know? And I used to live that as part of the Seahawks. Now, here's how I know that I'm devoted to the Seahawks, okay? I spend time. I, I rearranged my schedule to try to make sure I can watch the Seahawks. Okay, confession time. I've rearranged church activities in order for me to watch the Seahawks. It happens every year. It's usually the springtime. You know, uh, Sandy, who plans out our year, you know, uh, when it comes to kind of all church things, she asked me, hey, when are we going to do these things called DNA? DNA is, you know, when we have our, you know, time of in the afternoon, you know, of when we're going to talk about what it means to be a, a Christian, what it means to be, you know, make this your church home. And so she always asks me every spring, hey, Dan, when are we doing, <laughs> you know, these DNAs? And I'm like, can't tell you. Well, why can't you tell me? I'm like, because the Seahawks schedule hasn't come out yet. You know, and so, yes, we do arrange that for my sake more than anybody else's and when we have DNA so that I can enjoy my Seahawks, okay? I've, I've done that before. Now, I, I also, you know, know that I'm devoted because I spend resources, right? I've got the jerseys. I've got some paraphernalia. You know, I've discipled my kids well. They're, just, they're Seahawks fans, you know, and so there's all of these illustrations or examples that prove that I am a Seahawks fan. Now, I'm also devoted to my kids, I am. You know, like uh, this last week, my, my daughter's birthday, her ninth year, nine-year-old nine birthday. So I got up a little extra early. Her and I went to breakfast together. Then her mom and I, you know, I rearranged my schedule, so my time, in order to get her lunch and take it because she wanted us to come to her school and meet her friends. It's maybe the last year she ever asked that. So we're going to take advantage, you know, of that opportunity. And we had sat during the lunchtime and we got to eat and she introduces her friends. And then even that evening, uh, the elders kind of kicked me out, made sure that I got home, you know, in plenty of time, you know, to be able to celebrate open presents and be able to do that together to celebrate her on her day. This is just an example. This is proof. I can tell you I'm devoted, but how would you know? See, I can say a lot of things. A lot of people in our society say a lot of things, whether it be social media, texting, or talking to other people, but how do we know it's true? It's our time, it's our talents, and it's our treasures. Now, don't miss this. In a society where we're all pressed for time based on obligations and commitments, you do realize that we all have time for what we're most devoted to. We all do. It doesn't matter. We all make time truly for the things that we want to do extra for or extra in. We do. So here's the million-dollar question today. Are you devoted to Jesus? And you may verbally say that, but if so, does your time, talents, and treasures prove that reality in your life? See, we can say, I, I believe in Jesus. I, I'm committed to Jesus. I even come to church, which is, is an evidence. It's, it's one fact because you're taking time out of your day to come to worship, to grow, to connect with other people. 
But I want you to think about that. Can you answer that? Steve mentioned that earlier. You can look at somebody's checkbook. You can look at somebody's calendar, and you can kind of see what someone is devoted to, the extra. Now, while you're thinking about that, let's back up. A few weeks ago, I asked this question. What do you think Jesus is devoted to? And many of you, both the, all three of the services, mentioned, uh, well, us. And, the, and I agreed with you that the answer, that Jesus is devoted to us, but that is a secondary devotion. If you look at it, Jesus is first and foremost devoted to his Father. But out of his devotion to his Father, his Father's will was to be devoted to us. How do I know that? Because God's Word tells me that. In John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. So, and this is the will of God, that I should not leave even one of, all, one of those that he has given to me and that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. You might remember that when Jesus went to the garden the, the night before he was actually killed on the cross, he actually prayed an honest prayer. Uh, God, if there's any other way, I don't want to do this. This would be Dan's translation. I don't want to do this. This is not something I'm looking forward to, but I'm willing to do your will and not my own. See, what he's telling us is that his will in that moment was not to go to the cross, but his will to serve the Father was greater than whatever he felt that he wanted to do in the moment. And how important is that for us? that here's what you know you're devoted to. Even if you don't feel like it, you're willing to give, to serve, your time, your talents, and your treasures. That's true devotion, even when it doesn't come naturally. See, knowing this kind of devotion, the early church, as we've been looking at the same passage over and over, we wanted to discover what were they devoted to. We find that this was a part of their devotion in their service to God by serving others. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, 42 to 47, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to sharing, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. See, out of their devotion to Jesus, they spent their time, their talents, and their treasures in connection with him and to other people. That was proof of their devotion, proof of their service, because they wanted to follow the will of God. Now, I believe that God gave me something. You know, this week, those of you who've read this passage, that I think unlocks the secret to what it means to be devoted to something greater than what we feel, right? Here's what it is. The secret to serving is ownership. It's ownership. The secret to serving ownership. See, if I own my time, then I'm going to arrange my calendar according to what I think is best that's going to benefit me and the things I'm devoted to. 
If I own my talents, then I'm going to focus on the things that I think are going to benefit me and the people and the things I'm devoted to, like my careers and my jobs. And nothing's wrong with that in and of itself at first glance. If I own my treasures and resources, then I will focus first on taking care of what I believe is right in the things I'm devoted to. My family, my kids, and my, you know, with the, the cars, toys, electronics, pets, whatever it may be. Those are the things I'm going to devote myself to. And then, then I'll look elsewhere. But the secret is ownership because the reality is ownership, especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, is an illusion. Psalms chapter 24 verse 1 reminds us, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. So do we really own anything? Do we own anything? And that was the shift that the new believers in this church, they made. They said, hey, you know what? Because I am not my own, because Jesus has given me this new life in him and new life in eternity, I am going to be about his will and doing things, knowing that I don't own anything, my time, my talents, or my treasures. I'm going to hold it loosely and be a good steward of what he's given me. Now, we struggle with this because we don't think that God owns it. We think we do. How do I know? Ever tried to get a two-year-old to share? <laughs> right? In fact, it's happening right now. And our twos and three-year-olds, they walk in not owning anything in the room, but as soon as they pick something up and somebody else, it's mine. And their teachers are constantly, and parents are constantly like, share. You don't have to teach a two, three, or four-year-old to say, mine. You have to teach them to share. There is this battle within us that thinks that we own, and we kind of laugh. You know, we kind of laugh because we're like, gosh, don't you understand? That's not yours. That's the church's. Or when you get home, that's not yours. It's like when I have conversations with my boys, right? My boys think they own their rooms, because we call it their room. So they obviously take possession and ownership. So when we say, hey, can you clean your room? And they're like, well, Dan, Dad, Dan, they hope they don't call me Dan. That's a different conversation. That's a, that's a different kind of respect. They say, Dad, you know, it's my room. I don't care. I can live in my own mess. And I'm like, let's talk about whose room it really is. See, I don't think anything in your room that you have ever paid for until you get a job and until you own actually anything, what is, is it's a gift for me or I'm asking you to steward whatever I've given you. In this case, it's your room, but boy, it ain't not your room. And you're going to go clean that thing when I ask you to clean it. But we have this idea and then I start thinking, well, am I any different? Really? Am I really any different? We have a hard time with this idea of ownership. But if we can understand who really owns it, it unlocks the secret to giving. See, who's the primary owner of your life? To be honest, you are. Unless or until you accept Jesus. See, when you accept Jesus, what you're saying is, Jesus, I am actually giving you my life because you gave me yours. A lot of times people think, well, I'm just believing in Jesus and that's all I need. No, nowhere in scripture is to say, I just believe in Jesus and that's it. Everywhere, Jesus says, no, 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 if you're going to believe in me, then I need to be the boss of your life. I need to take ownership, you know, of your life. And you start living differently because you know that he gave us everything, life here and life eternally. Uh, one of my favorite movies uh, is uh, Save It, Private Ryan. Ryan. 
How many of you have seen Save It Private Ryan? Okay, most of you. So spoiler alert, uh, if you haven't seen it by now, <laughs> I don't care. You know, um, <laughs> at the end of the film, you know, the captain, the guy who's supposed to go out there and help get Private Ryan back to his mom, he actually dies, okay? And he says to Private Ryan at the end, make it count, make it count. And so you get to the very end of the movie, and here's now a Private Ryan who's old, and he's standing before the grave of this captain who gave his life so that Ryan could live, and he's wondering, have I lived up to this gift? See, you live differently when someone else has done an incredible sacrifice for you. Those of you guys who have been in the military and have had something like that, you have a little understanding because Jesus has done that for us. So when he's done that for us, you're like, wait a minute, not my life now, it's, it's his See, 1 Corinthians 6.20 tells us, for God bought you with a high price, so we must honor God with your body. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But it's hard. So I wonder, in your life, if you can identify, what is it that you have a hard time relinquishing ownership for? to? What is it that you still think that's your own? Maybe it's kids, right? It's usually one of the, the, the biggest ones for parents to say, no, no, okay, these are God's kids. I'm just a steward of that. Or maybe it's your career and saying, you know, it's my career. I've earned this level, and so it's my job. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a hobby. None of those things are bad. Don't hear me. Don't mishear me. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying who's in it. Because when you find ownership that it's God's, it changes everything. And you start living differently. I'll give you an example. For me, it's my time. My time is the hardest thing to surrender to God's ownership. And for me, I like things kind of planned, and here's my set for the day, and that kind of stuff. Anybody else planners? Planners like me? Anybody able to do that? And then when the plans change or get disrupted, I got a hard time adjusting. Look, I see elbows and stuff going on. This is awesome. You know, I have a hard time adjusting, you know, uh, to some of the ways that God may be leading differently. So I see it as obstacles instead of opportunities, because I'm planned out that way. But could God maybe have a different plan for me if I were to say, no, God, it's your time not mine, and I need to be more flexible. Let me give you an example. This last Sunday, this last Sunday, I uh, three services uh, get here about you know seven or so, and then you head right into our DNA class, which is three hours, and so I'm headed home, and it's about five thirty. I've been here for ten to twelve hours, and I'm like, okay, finally, it's my time. Finally, I get to go home, get to put on some Sunday night football, I get to kick back, and as I'm pulling in at 5.30, it dawns on me, my wife decided that she was going to give up her time to lead a girls' junior small group on Sunday night, and she was taking my son, who's also a junior, you know, to his group that night. So I was now in charge of our two youngest and I was like, oh no. So I walk in and my daughter looks at me and the first thing that she says to me, daddy, do you want to play with me? <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, <laughs> I do not want to play with you. 
I want to sit on the couch. I want to watch football. I want to hire a babysitter that can cook for you and that can put you down so that I can watch football. Where is Netflix? Where is something I can get you mind-numbing so that I can become mind-numbing? That's what I felt, right? Nobody else. <laughs> you look at me like, you sinner, you know, like, <laughs> That's what I felt. Now, I'll be honest. That's what it's oftentimes that I would try to do in this instance. I looked at her and I said, yes, daddy would love to play with you. So we played for a few minutes. Now, the only reason I mention that is because I need to actually tell you a positive story instead of some of the other real life stories, you know, that I actually then go through because there are times at the end of the day that I'm done. And it's hard for me then when I'm done, when I feel like I'm at the end, to still say, no, God, it's still your time. Now, even with that, don't mishear me. For those of you, especially in our uh, women's series, you know, having, you know, a Mary Hart and a Martha world, we're not saying you don't need time for yourself. Jesus talks about pulling away from the crowds intentionally to spend time with the Father, to be filled up. All we're saying is ownership. Who owns it? Is it you or is it him? See, I know I have to surrender to Jesus daily for him to be the owner of my life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. That's time, talents, and treasures, even with the plans that you have. There's nothing wrong with having the plans, but do we own it like this? Saying Instead of like this, where most of us do. And he will show you which path to take. I know that we have many of you who model this. I know a guy in our church you know, who used to be incredibly busy, you know, just, just high-demand job, family, kids, all that kind of stuff. He came to a point a little while back where he said to God, God, I'm going to try to say yes to the opportunities to which you're going to bring in my life through other people, through I'm going to try to say yes, because in his mind, he would always have a reason for no. It was easy. It's easy to find the no reason. I'm too busy. I, I don't have time. I'm not good at that. I've never done that before. So he said, I'm going to try to find reasons to say yes. What a different approach to life, to try to find yes. And he's told me that this is actually transforming his life. Not so he can be super busy, but his priorities then are forced to be able to change according to the way God is leading his life. I know another guy who has uh, been in business, been for 20-some years, and, and he said, God, I feel like you're asking me to change my career, but that would be insanity. In fact, so much so that he got offered a job to leave his career, and at the same time in his career, he got a several hundred thousand dollar offer to stay. But he said, you know what? God, I'm going to follow your way because my life is not mine. It's yours, and I'm going to follow this way. Now, I'm not saying that if you have a career, you should stop doing that and go in a different direction. I'm just saying, are you living your career, your relationships, your kids like this and not like this? The ownership, saying, God, it's yours. If you should lead, if you should direct, if you should guide, as Steve said, to Nene, that what I have is yours and I am willing to follow. In fact, one of the guys in our church, I think, has done this well. His name is Tom Pope, and I want to introduce, and I, I think he sums up everything we're trying to say today. So if you missed anything that I talked about, I think he illustrates and is an example of what this looks like. Go ahead and watch the screen with me now. My name's Tom. I've been at Valley Real Life for about nine years. I noticed there's a lot of technology around here, and I thought, oh, there's probably a spot for me somewhere. And I just used what I naturally gravitate towards and said, oh, let me see if I can do that at church. Usually I'm a, either a camera operator or an AV switcher, but I started 
from putting the words on the screen to that. And then just recently I went with Ryan and the guys to few summer camp. Ryan said he needed help. I saw this thing on Facebook and said, hey, I'm short leaders. And I was like, I can do that. That's an excuse. I got vacation coming up. I'll just take the week off and go. So, you know, it's simple things like putting words on a screen and and not making mistakes when song trans when lyrics transition from the next slide to the next slide. It's, it seems like such a trivial thing, but when you realize that those are all the things that people don't really pay attention to until that's wrong, and then it's a distraction and it's taking them away from what they're here for to focus on God, and they're like, oh, that word's wrong, or there's a typo on the screen. It's cool that something like that can be used as a, as a form of worship. You talk about youth ministry. We had a kid that came in day one and was just kind of like, you know, closed off, didn't want to talk to anybody. And by day three, I went out and sat and talked to him while he was, he was just kind of sitting on a bench by himself looking around and I went and sat and talked to him and, and he opened up and was like, man, I'm really glad I'm here. This is, I've made some really good friends. This is cool. And it's awesome to see lives change that fast just because you expose them to Jesus. You see a lot more of what God's doing when you actually get involved and do it with him. You can come on Sunday and see what God's doing from seat and there's plenty to see there's it's amazing it's very evident what God's doing around here but if you really really want to see that what he's really up to it you don't really get to see that unless you're joining with the people that are doing it if you're just coming on Sunday and watching the concert you miss all the you miss everything else that happens behind the scenes because there's so much more that God's doing that you'll never see if you don't serve man it's it's such a joy there's there's not been a time that I've given that I didn't feel like God took that money and did more with it than I could on my own you know, watching this this place expand with the new building projects, and you know, you give we give tens of thousands of dollars to these local ministries that help people and homeless people, and you know, single moms and and all the things that we do. It's when you see that, it's like, well, yeah, my my hundred bucks, I could over the course of a month, I could spend it on coffee, or I could put that in the offering plate and then watch this. You know, my hundred turns into tens of thousands because I joined with other people that are doing the same thing. I don't, I've never seen a time where. I, I felt like God didn't do more with it than I could on my own. There's no question in my mind. I see my son now. He's been, he's now serves in the children's ministry. He's helping out with the, the little kids in the morning. Sometimes it's rocking babies. Sometimes it's playing with two and three year olds. Sometimes it's the pre-K. He just just shows that God's using me, and he's seeing that. And now my son is doing it, and it's a generational thing. There's, there's little ways. It's just a shift in ownership that opens up the opportunity to be able to be used by him in many different facets or ways. And here's the crazy part is the way God set it up, uh, we actually get blessed by it. Jesus says more blessed to give than to receive. We don't do this out of guilt or obligation. It says they did it with joy and generosity. They actually enjoyed this because they realized we're not the owner and look the way God is using this. This is fun. This is good. And even when it doesn't feel fun, I'm still going to be committed to it because I see the benefit of what God's doing. Now, uh, let me ask you this. How many of you guys watch football at all? You know, you watch football? Okay. So um, here, if you're like me, you know, then, then when you watch, you might at times get emotionally connected or involved. And, and the way that you know is when you start getting frustrated with your team. Last night might have been one of those frustrations with your team. Okay, so you're frustrated. So you start thinking or you start saying out loud or if you have little like stuffies, you start throwing things and breaking things when you're like, what is wrong with you guys? Why are the coach, you're such a moron. Call this play a not. Do you guys not know how to tackle? What's happening? See, you're sitting on the sidelines and it's very easy to criticize the players and the coaches who are on the field. The difference is when you step onto that field. 
And now you're part of it and you're going through the struggle together. You're trying to figure this out. It's so easy in our society to be a critic of everyone and everything. But when you actually get involved, especially towards that in which you criticize, it changes your perspective. It helps you understand, wait a minute, there's something maybe bigger or greater that's going on. Which is why on this day you got those green you know, sheets when you came in you know, as an encouragement to get involved with what God is doing here at Valley Real Life if you call this place your home. You know, there's, there's just a, a lot of different areas and places that you could serve or be a part of. Like for some of you, you got invited to this glow party thing. Do you know that it takes 120 volunteers to just go through one weekend with our kids' ministry? 120, because there's over 500 kids that come every single weekend. So you think there's a need or an opportunity there? to be used by God in the life of kids or to help parents? Or, or for some of you in the medical field, I had a conversation with a gal last week after DNA. Um, she didn't realize we have a medical team. You're like, you have a medical team? What for? I'm like, just in case something happens. We have first responder team, you know, that's there. And you're one of the first people that's called to try to help if somebody should get sick or somebody should get hurt, that you're just there right away to be able to help. You got people in tech area, like you heard from Tom, you know, just saying, you know what? I'm just open-handed to say, God, my passions, my gifts, I want to be able to use for you because all of us, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, are part of the body. We don't just criticize, we get involved. In fact, if you do on a regular basis, what will happen is you'll find yourself getting fed. You'll come week after week on Sundays, you'll go to your groups, and it becomes all about you, all about you, all about you, and then all of a sudden you'll start finding yourself having a critical spirit. You're like, what's wrong with that worship team? Why aren't they playing the right songs? When is Dan going to preach a real sermon? You know, what's going on? Why aren't the kids there? Why aren't they taking care of my kids more? It's because it's easy to focus if you're not plugged in. It's like going to Israel and going to the Dead Sea. See, the Dead Sea is dead for a reason. There's no fish. There's nothing alive that lives there. And as you can see, you can literally just float. You just float. It's the most fascinating thing. We was there about four years ago, and you just sit there, and they tell you even how to get in, and you're just like, this is the weirdest thing ever because of the density of the salt. Now, the reason it's dead isn't because it doesn't get water or it doesn't have rivers that go into it. It's dead because there's no outlet. There's no use for place for the water to go. See, God's going to pour in of himself to us. He's going to give to us, but then we're supposed to also be used by God in the lives of other people. We receive and then exercise that gift. We receive and exercise, and then you find yourself growing, and the blessing actually becomes yours, which is a cool way for God to use that. So as we close, what, is, what are you willing to serve? Where are you willing to serve God by serving others through your devotion to Him through Valley Real Life? If so, get plugged in, but as always, the choice is yours. Uh, Joshua, you know, as a leader of Israel, got to the end of his life, and he had to make a statement you know, to the people. And he says, all right, on this day, it's your choice now. Choose this day whom you will serve. And he told the Israelites, you know, is it going to be the gods, all these different gods that you've had in your past or around you? For us, it's, are you going to continue to be devoted to the things that are first priority that are not of God? Choose on this day whom you will serve. And then he says, I can't speak for you. He goes, but then he says, it's for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And it's a mindset shift. That's really all it is. That my prayer is as you leave today, you're like, you know what? It's not my car. It's not my house. Not my career. Not my kids, praise God. You know, it's not my, you know, that I am just a steward because God owns it all. 
And with that understanding, you're more willing to allow him to use the things in your life to benefit you, but also to benefit those around you. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this idea of ownership when it comes to our devotion to service. Help us, Father, to walk out of here with a different mindset than when we came in. God, if there's anybody here who's not yet accepted you, that's where it starts. A devotion to you because you were devoted to us. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.